Well, it's been a, Doug told you that you were in for a treat this morning, and I trust that you have enjoyed worshiping our Christ together in a number of different ways that we've done it today. This has been a morning that we've actually wanted to focus on um, the gospel going to the ends of the world and our partnership and our participation with that. If you've been at our church for any period of time, you know that we are serious about the Great Commission. We're serious about seeing Christ church built um, around the world. And it's my great privilege to be able to introduce to you uh, this morning uh, Jeff and Connie Griffith. Go ahead and come, come on up, Jeff. Uh, and Connie, why don't you go ahead and stand so we can give you a warm welcome as well. Would you do that? Jeff and uh, Connie actually um, have a history uh, in this church going back to the mid-80s. Um, uh, they were missionaries to South Africa uh, after uh, Jeff got his uh, training at Western Conservative Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, then uh, they were uh, serving with, uh, they're currently serving with SIM, he'll tell you about that. They were with Africa Evangelical Fellowship, uh, headquartered down in Charlotte, and uh, they've been in India. Well, they've just been all over the world, and you are in for a treat. It, it, it just, this is a morning that's just going to keep on giving, and so, uh, Jeff, would you share what God is doing around the world? Thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Such a delight to be here with you. You know, Pastor Doug and the missions people have tried to get us here several times. But every time they tried to get us, we were in another country somewhere. So the third time's a charm. I hope it's a charm. We're glad we're here today. And it's such a delight to see so many, many, many people here. You know, when we met in the bus station, there weren't so many people. That's good, because there wasn't enough room for them. But it's great to see what God is doing up here. And uh, we are excited to be here. Connie will be sharing with us, too, in a few minutes here, maybe 15 minutes. She'll be sharing. And uh, let's just go to prayer. Our loving Lord, our Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you've brought to us that is brand new today. Lord, we thank you for, for your Holy Spirit that's come to dwell within those who have received Jesus as Savior. We thank you, Lord, for those that have been walking with you for many, many years, growing in their walk with you. We thank you, Lord, for those that have just come to Christ within the last few days or maybe the last few weeks or months. But we thank you, Lord, that as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and as we come to worship you, our focus is worshiping you. And yet we see what you are doing in lives all over the world and through this church in particular. And so I pray for those that are here today and that really don't have much understanding about missions. I pray that the message might speak to their hearts and lives about issues in their lives that you want them to hear. May they hear the message you want them to hear. And Lord, thank you that we can present what you have been doing in terms of building your church as we are missionaries sent out from this church. And Lord, we just give you thanks. May your word be nourishment, encouragement, and where needs be, challenge into our own hearts and lives this morning. That we might be different people because, again, we spent time in your word by your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we are with SIM, and SIM used to mean Sudan Interior Mission 118 years ago when they started. But since then, they've incorporated four other missions, and one was ours in 1998. Africa Evangelical Fellowship became part of SIM. We're the southern cone, if you will, of Africa, about 14 countries that, that uh, we work with there. But now, with SIM, we're nearly 50 countries around the world with 1,500 missionaries. And we're always looking for new missionaries like you and you and you. No, no, I'm not here to headhunt today. But what I'm saying is SIM is a mission very similar to Christian Missionary Alliance. 
and that we have the same, same doctrinal position and, and so forth. And we have the same calling that you have, that is to take the gospel into all the world, not just Boone, North Carolina, not just North Carolina or Eastern United States, but into the whole world. I want to share with you from a passage in 1 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I want to talk about uh, one church's impact for Jesus Christ. And I'll be looking at the church in Thessalonica, but I also want to reflect that upon your church right here, Alliance Bible Fellowship. Now this passage of Scripture, and we'll read it in a moment, it has uh, maybe 10 verses we're going to look at, and there's some very deep theological verses. Oh, I heard that. No. I'm not going to be going into that. I don't have time for that. I know your pastor is a wonderful Bible teacher, and he'll be here next week and the week after and so forth. He can do that. But I want to share just a little bit of those gold nuggets of theology which are really profound in our lives and then also talk about world missions, which is found right here in the first 10 verses. But first, let me talk for a moment about the book of Thessalonians. The city of Thessalonica was in northern Greece. And uh, it's still there today, only sometimes people call it Salonica today. I looked on the map and it has kind of Greek letters there that say Thessalonica, but I've heard it's also called uh, Salonica. And uh, it was Paul's visit there during his second missionary journey that he founded the church in Thessalonica. And the text starts out, and let's just read verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And so, with a reading of His Scripture... I'd like to start out and just look at verse 1 for a moment. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today, because of God the Father. That's why we're here today, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've come today, not just to hear a person speak and share slides, but you've come, I trust, because you want to hear a word from God. God might speak to you in your individual life situation. And I pray and trust that He will through this scripture. Now he goes on to say this in verse 2. Uh, excuse me, the uh, last part of verse 1, he says, grace and peace to you. Paul always begins like this, grace and peace. Sometimes he throws mercy in there too. Grace, mercy, and peace. Do you know you cannot have peace? You cannot have peace until you receive the grace, until you receive the mercy. Now, mercy is what we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Each one of us individually, we are guilty of sin such that it should be us that hang on the cross because of our sin, isn't it? Isn't that true? Some people say, yeah, but I'm not as bad a sinner as I could be. No, you better not, but you're still a sinner. It only takes a little. And we're all sinners. By his mercy, he did not give us what we were due to receive. Amen? And I look at it kind of like a bank account. Maybe that's just the way my mind works. You know, in sin, we're in great debt. You know, here's a, here's a zero balance, and here we are down here. Until you come to Jesus Christ, you're down here. <laughs> great sin upon you. You will pay the price. But by his mercy, he saved us. Woo! He brought us back up here. But by his grace, he exceeded it. And he has given us his imputed righteousness. Amen? That means your account is not empty. It is full. Absolutely full. You are holy. Oh, I don't feel very holy. Oh, I don't either. But that doesn't change the truth. Because our holiness is not based on how we act and the things we do. Our holiness is based upon what Christ did. Amen? And he paid it all. I teach world religions down at Columbia International University. And we go through 10 of the major world religions. And I'll just make one statement further about that. I don't want to get into a 15-hour lecture. But the point is this. All the false religions of the world, in other words, all religions other than our faith, which is not really religion. Religions are, religions are works. One of our supporters said it this way, and at first I was rather embarrassed. He says, they're all doo-doo religions. I thought, what? He says, all the false religions are doo-doo religions. I said, could you please explain that further? He said, well, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. You got all these things you've got to do. Jesus said it from the cross. It is, ah, uh, come on. It is, it is finished. He did it all. We are in him. He is in us. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have peace. Not only in this life can we experience this peace, but we will never die. If you know Christ is your Savior today, you will never die. Now, my body's given me a few problems already, as some of you noticed who knew us 25 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, our bodies give out, but the soul and spirit, the real Jeff Griffith, was born again in February 7, 1966. I wrote that down. I remembered it. <laughs> and I want you to know, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can have some measure of what you think is peace in this life. People go through transcendental meditation and yoga and all of these things trying to have peace. And they might achieve a certain level of what they would call peace in this life because they don't know the real peace of Christ. But I guarantee you, once they pass into eternity, there's no peace. There's no peace. This is the best it's going to get for those that don't know Christ. But if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it only gets better, people. It only gets better. So we can say, and the Apostle Paul could say, grace to you and peace. Amen? Grace to you, I say this morning, and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul wrote this letter from another city that we know about, and it's called Thessal uh, excuse me, Corinthians. And the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. They had people in different factions. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Jesus. No, 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 no. They had factions, special cliques and groups. They had immorality going on in the church, and the church failed to judge it, so Paul told them what he would do. They had uh, 
confusion over spiritual gifts. They had all kinds of issues there. Now Paul's looking back at the church of Thessalonica. Here's what he says. That's a great church, the Thessalonian church. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work. Listen to this. Produced by faith, labor prompted by love, endurance by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, you're a great church. By the way, I want to say a few things about your church, Alliance Bible Fellowship. We know your reputation, not because we used to go here, but because we travel all over the state. We've traveled all over the country, really, and many times we hear, oh, you went to Alliance Bible? That's a great church. Their pastor is a, boy, he's the, one of the best teachers I've ever heard anywhere. You know, <laughs> thank you, pastor. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that church has a reputation. They really reach out into the world. And see, Paul's looking back and he's commending the church. Connie and I have been your missionaries for over a decade. You've been supporting us through prayer. Some of you get our newsletters and you pray for us. You give financially towards our support. But you've probably never gone to many of the places we've gone. But I want you to know, you, 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 you have an influence, not only in our lives, but through our lives, you have an influence in the various places that we go. Now, God frequently takes the small, like the mustard seed, and he blesses it, and he distributes it. And that's one of the things that he's doing through your church and through your faith mission program. So I want to encourage you, and in a few minutes I'll show you a few places that we've been because you've sent us there, that you might see some of the people you've influenced by the Spirit of God. So I want us to read on for a moment. Verse 4, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. You've been chosen. The disciples here, the, the people, the Thessalonians, they were chosen. They were chosen by God to build his church, to become disciples and follow after him. And he said, it didn't come to you just with words. No, it came to you also with power. How many of you have your lives significantly changed when you came to Christ? Huh? Yeah, should see every hand go up. Your life has changed because you came to Christ. I'm reminded of somebody who said, you know, I just want to get to heaven. I want to talk to Abraham. Who would you like to talk to in the Old Testament? Abraham, Moses, Joshua. You just name them. And somebody said, yeah, but how about the people back then? They might want to come up to you, tap you on the shoulder and say, wow, how was it? How was it that you had the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, living in you? What are you going to say? Oh, I didn't notice. No, <laughs> I hope not. See, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives in me. And when we follow the Holy Spirit of God, we're doing the work of God in the power of the Spirit. We are blessed and we experience joy and peace in the doing, even if there's suffering going on. And in this church in Thessalonica, there was suffering. But there was also joy and peace. Now, verse 5, I want to read a little slower. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. I want to read chapter 2 for a moment. If you've got, you might turn your Bible to chapter 2, just the next page. And verse 7, it begins, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. 
We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well, because you have become very dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order that uh, not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each one of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That's how the apostles went out. That's how missionaries go out. And by the way, that's how you and I ought to go out, all of us. We ought to go out and share the gospel in a winsome way, a positive way. You know, they have these new lights out that attract moths and attract mosquitoes. And what happens when the mosquito flies into the light? <laughs> He's dead. That's not the light we want to be. But some of us are like that. Some of us are like that. Some of us, you know, they want to turn or burn. You're going to hell. You're going to die and burn for all eternity, and you deserve it. How many people would respond favorably to that message? None of us. None of us would. We want to be a winsome light, a soft light, a light of love, a light of encouragement, a light that is a forgiving light. And when somebody blesses you, and I mean that in the southern term, when somebody blesses you, you return love to them. So they bless you again and see if they can get the right reaction. And they still get love. And they say, oh my goodness. What's the matter with you? How come you didn't respond that way? How come you didn't respond that way? I'll tell you a short story. It's not normally in the sermon, but it just is illustrative. I was driving in South Africa. I was going to drive down. It was 10 o'clock at night. It was dark. And I had to stop to turn right into my driveway. And there was construction there. So I had to go real, real slow. And a car came down behind me. And he came down, and he was going to ram right through me. I had to get out of the way. So I, I quickly got out of the way, but, you know, I registered my complaint. <laughs> anyway, he went up the hills. So I thought, well, you know, the guy's going to kill somebody sometime. So I had to then turn out and go up the hill myself to turn around and come back because I couldn't get in that angle with the construction. So I went up there, and guess who was there? Yeah, the car. His car. He turned around. <laughs> And he came back down, and I, I turned around, and I drove, went into my driveway. He followed me into the driveway. Oh, this guy's upset with me. So when I got out of the car, I took my glasses off, not knowing exactly what was going to happen. Didn't want glass in my eye. And he got out, and he started yelling at me and cussing at me and telling what he's going to do to me and this, that, and the other. And I rather calmly, I said, wait a minute, calm down. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do any of that. In fact, if you're real smart, you'll get back in your car and you will drive out of here because you're now on my property. And he looked at me and he could tell by my accent and he said, you're not from around here, are you? I said, no, I'm not. It'd be good if you weren't from around here too. You better get back in your car. And you know, he got in his car and he drove away. But the point that I want to make is people have a prescribed thing. They think because they're acting in a certain way, you're going to act in a certain way. But when we act like Christians, when they expect us to act like non-Christians... They say, you're not from around here. You don't, you don't see the world the same way I see it. And you say, no, that's right. See, I've got these glasses that are bloodstained. They're what? They're bloodstained. Who's blood? Jesus. When I see the world, I see the world through Jesus. Now, that may sound a little hyper, a little over the top, but you know, that's the truth. You and I, through the Holy Spirit of God, must see the world through the eyes of Jesus. And when we do, we just don't see locally, we see globally. 
And we see what God is doing here and what he's doing through here. Listen to what happened in chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. See, they became imitators of the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy. They saw how they lived. And they said, I want to live like that. Why? Because that's the way Jesus lives. How do I know? Because I can see it. People are watching you. People are watching me, especially our children. And now for us, our grandchildren, they're watching us. And they will become imitators of us. I did something that I'll confess before the congregation. It was not particularly bad, I don't think. My son-in-law questioned me on this. But I was out with my grandson. He was about three years old. We were out on the play field in our housing development. And we were the only ones out there. And the poor little guy, he had to go wee-wee. And so I said, let me show you how we do that when we're out in the country like this. And I took him over into the bushes, and I helped him with his pants. And I said, go, quick, go. Well, about two weeks later, my son-in-law said, Dad, what did you do with Ben? I said, what do you mean? He says, we find him all the time. He wants to go to the bathroom in the yard. <laughs> I said, yeah, I taught him that. He'll never forget that lesson. <laughs> See, people are imitators. You and I are imitators. What do your kids see when they see you at home? When the phone rings and you don't want to talk to them and you say, tell them I'm gone. <laughs> you just taught your kid how to lie. And it's okay because dad did it. How about when you... Well, let's not go there. But the point is this. They're watching us. Our kids are watching us. And you know... Our grandkids are watching. What do people see when they see you? Do they see a likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ in his character? Do they see honesty, integrity? Do they see love? Do they see compassion? Do they see understanding? Or do they see criticalness, a critical spirit? Oh, no, you can't do that. You're too small. You can't do that. You're not smart enough. Sometimes we pass these things on. These disciples watched as Paul and Timothy and Silas were there and said, we want to be like that. I always have some older Christian, which is getting harder these days, but I always have some older Christian that I look at, and I say to myself when I get to know that person, I say, man, I want to be like that. Have you ever said that? I want to be like that when I'm that age, you know? I really do. Some of those Christians are sitting here. I don't want to embarrass them, so I won't mention them, but, you know, I want to be like that when I get that age. It doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> it happens every day as we conduct our lives in such a way that we imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. People are reading the gospel of you. Put your name in there. They're reading the gospel of you. What are they reading? Here, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. Verse 7, so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here, Alliance Bible Fellowship is a model of the Lord Jesus Christ in Boone, North Carolina, in Blowing Rock, in Sugar Creek, in all these communities. You are a model of Jesus Christ. Didn't hear an amen. You are a model of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. You are. They're watching. And you know what? What your church does, you get some credit for having done yourself. These shoe boxes are amazing. They really are amazing. My heart met with the lady who prayed for us today because we've seen what happens with these. You have two on television. You've seen how these little boxes go out 
And they make the delight of Christmas more than anything to so many of the people that receive them. They receive them with joy and laughter and tears of happiness and so forth. When we take out the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same thing happens. Only lives are changed for all eternity. I want Connie to come up here with me now, if she would. And we're going to show you where you have been involved through your church, through supporting us in terms of missions in different places around the world. Because of your faith, because of your prayers, Connie and I have been able to take the gospel, and we are church planting advocates. We want to make sure church planting takes place, even though there are great ministries of relief and so forth, uh, helping people in education and medicine and so forth in agriculture, but it's always with the purpose of the church being planted. Uh, we recently went to Bangladesh, and as you know, this is a Muslim country, and SIM has many projects to help people in this uh, great country. They have, uh, where they have a project helping women off the streets. Prostitution. <laughs> children. Uh, they have arsenic in the water there, so they have a lot of engineers that have helped. They have uh, agricultural projects. Ag agricultural Lots projects. of projects, maybe 15 different projects they have going there. And they always hire the local people. 88% of the people are Muslims. So they hire Muslims to come in and work their projects. And because of that, they find themselves in a Christian environment, the Muslims do, and they hear the gospel. This is a conference that we spoke at a year ago. In, uh, in Bangladesh. So they have a spiritual life conference, and it was a great opportunity to be there. Also, we went to a Jamaat. That's a house church in Dhaka, the capital. By the way, we went there, but you sent us. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. You sent us there to Dhaka. All the Muslim background believers came. There are about 60 different uh, people, maybe even more than that. They play their local kinds of music and so forth. In the upper left corner, you see those three smiling faces. They're all university students. They said to me, we are the only Christians in our whole university that we know of. But we are a witness in our community. They're a witness for Christ. And this community hires or has rented a house, a first floor apartment house. And they meet there every week. And they sing out loud with great joy. And the noise fills the streets. And they're ready for the persecution if needs be. And all the workers got together and said, we see some house churches starting in the capital city. But what about the whole country? So they got out a map. Where are there unreached people that nobody is reaching? And they've selected indigenous people who've turned to Christ from Islam. They've been discipled, and now they have been put out as church planters with their families in these strategic, unreached areas. And the projects support them. So these projects are sending out their own missionaries and supporting them as they go out. And they come back in. They have training every three months. They have evaluation. They set new goals. Some of them have as many as 10 house churches in their area. Others have more, and others have less. But they're, they're about God's business of building his church. And then uh, we wanted to show you uh, a work with Hindus. This is a young couple that went to North India, a graduate, graduated from Columbia International University, and they work with university students. And they have uh, hired an artist, an Indian artist, to do the progress of revelation. And they have pictures, we just have a few here, all around their home. So no matter where somebody comes in their home, there's an opportunity with a picture to share about Christ. So it's all about Jesus and sharing about Christ. They also have rented, the guy in particular, he's rented an office. It's like eight feet by eight feet square and very small across from the university. 
And he has told the people there, and the word's gone out through those that are believers there, that he is a spiritual man, and he wants to talk to people about God and how they can know God in a personal way. I went with him for several days while we were there, and as the students came in, from 10 o'clock until they quit coming in, he stays there, and he teaches the Bible. All three of these young men had come to know Christ as university students. And what's interesting is uh, their parents. Tell them about their parents. Their parents and aunt, aunts and uncles have come and said, what have you been teaching our, our sons, they've changed. They're now respectful. They help around the house. They've changed. What has happened? And so many of the family members have come to know Christ. And when uh, we were there, these three Hindu girls and one Muslim girl came and said, our brothers have changed. We want to know about this God that you're talking about. And I had the privilege of sharing about Jesus Christ. They also had the privilege of sharing Christ with a Hindu priest. The guy in red used to be a Hindu priest, but he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And now, having been a Hindu, I like that amen over there, <laughs> as he's come to Christ, people come to him mm -hmm. and talk about Hindu. He said, no, 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 Jesus. Jesus is the way. Hindu, Yeshu Bhakti. Bhakti means devotion. Yeshua is Jesus, and Hindu is their culture. We don't want them to become Western Christians. We want them to be Hindu culture background Christians. Well, this fellow has led a number of other people to the Lord. We went to four meetings in four days, four different house churches that he's got started there. God is at work. Hindus are being saved. Muslims are being saved. Part of what is happening is you sending out missionaries like us. We go there. We encourage them. We show different methods of church planning. They're working in different parts of the SIM world, and we encourage them. And so you've never been here. You've never been to Varanasi in India, but you've sent us, and we thank you. Now we have uh, another partnership for EHA, Emanuel Hospital Association, North India. Dr. Raju Abraham is a neurosurgeon. And uh, he was told by the government that there's a hospital up in North India. We're going to cut it down. We're going to shut it down. We can't make any money with it. He said, don't do that. Give it to me. Now he's a Christian. Now it's a Christian hospital. And uh, here's one of his doctors. Uh, Dr. Dinesh and Shannon, uh, both SIM workers, missionaries. And so they do, he's a doctor, she's a nurse practitioner, so they work in the hospital. But he's also graduated from John MacArthur School, which is in India, John MacArthur Seminary. And he teaches the Bible and he teaches it to indigenous pastors mm -hmm. half his week and two and a half days he does medical work. Mm -hmm. So here you see them doing the work in the hospital. But then at the hospital, they said there are so many young people who need jobs to help raise the <coughs> living of the families. So they have started technical training school in the hospital, and every day they have chapel. But these technical training schools are... Uh, like like uh, air conditioning repair, computer repair, cell phone repair, uh, hospital administration... Just lots of different things they have. And they've actually gone out to the government and said, if we train these people, would you certify that they are able to go out and do this work? And the government, sure, go ahead. So they are certified by the government to do these training things. And every morning, their training programs run from three months to a year. And every morning, they have to go and they have to listen to the gospel. And many of them are turning their lives over to Christ. And then they go out into their villages and they become disciples and witnesses for Christ. And then one of the pastors says, there's so many young people around in very few schools, and he has started 102 schools in the area in 102 villages, and they're called Schools Under a Tree. There's a special tree in India in a Hindu worldview, which is very precious, and you can't cut it down. It's a holy tree. It's a holy tree. So he has the school under that tree in the village, and he has trained the Muslim and the Hindu 
uh, men and women who want to volunteer to be trained as school teachers. And he stays two weeks ahead <laughs> in curriculum with these teachers. Most of the teachers have turned to Christ, and the curriculum is Christian education, and so all there's, approved. They're singing Christian hymns months before they ever turn to Christ, <laughs> but they are turning to Christ. It's another avenue to present the gospel in a winsome way to the general unsaved public so they can hear the gospel and they can see the gospel through the love of the missionaries. They've started as many as 800 house churches through the teaching through this hospital, and they have 150 church planters. So God is at work, amen? amen? He is at work, and uh, here we see Shannon training one of the ladies who's a pastor's wife. Now we go to South Africa. So we wanted to show you some of the work among animists. We've gone to South Africa many times to teach at the Bible school, a Union Bible Institute, their Zulu students. We teach the English stream. We don't teach in Zulu. But uh, there was a professor before us in the previous uh, semester who was teaching evangelism. And uh, they were in the classroom. They were reading the books. They were doing this and that. And he said, let's get out of this classroom. It's so stuffy. Let's go find some people that don't know the Lord. Where is the least reach place in our city of Peter Maritzburg? And they said, well, that would be Jicka Joe's, the... Uh, the uh, Squatter camp. Squatter camp, yeah. A squatter camp. About a thousand people or more had come into this place. And they hoped to get jobs in South Africa because South Africa is such a rich country. But they haven't been able to get them. So they've gotten involved in drugs, in prostitution, in alcohol, in all kinds of things. So the whole class went down there for a period of two months. And inside of two months, 60, let's hear it, 60 people accepted the Lord. Amen. 60 people turned their lives over to Christ. And you know, they, they started studying the Bible, and, and pretty soon some of them said, it talks about here being baptized. Can we be baptized, please? Can we be baptized? Yes, yes, you can be baptized. So the difficulty was there was no really water around. And, <laughs> and uh, so these students at the Bible school, they helped bring these students through um, sort of like discipling for baptism. And one of the students hired a swimming pool in the area, and that's where they were baptized. So here it is at the swimming bath. Dr. Hey. Amnesi is a principal of Union Bible Institute, and they asked if he could be the one who did the baptisms. So he was reading to them in Zulu, and you see the baptismal candidates lined up there. Many of them still had bracelets of animal skins, and they had necklaces, fetishes from the witch doctor, and they knew they had to take those off. They ripped them off before they went into the waters of baptism as a sign that they're totally finished with the past, and they've embraced Jesus Christ for the future. It was and exciting to be there. Here's their new pastor, G.C. Gumedi. G.C. Gumedi. I can say Gumedi. I can't say what the G and the C stand for because they're too long. They have a but, lot of clicks in the language. We yes. have a hard time with it. And a <laughs> businessman, a funeral home operator, and a teacher and a preacher for the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. a church planter in Jicka Joe's. And then we went to Paraguay because... Are, as church planning advocates, we want to see the different models of church planning and sort of cross-pollinate what they do in other countries just to give some synergy ideas. And what they've done in Paraguay is the workers all got together. Where are the people who were unreached and nobody is working with them? And they found they were illiterate farmers in a whole uh, community out on the outskirts. Well, lots of community, all the rural areas, yeah. basically. And they didn't speak Spanish that you normally think of South America. They sp spoke a language called Gurani. And uh, so when our missionaries go, they have to learn Spanish and Gurani. But our missionaries went out there, and we have a medical doctor, Dr. McKissick, and of course he uses medicine as his platform. 
but they also have learned uh, these people are illiterate. They can't read or write in their language, but they can hear with their ears. And so what they do is they put the Bible onto little microchips, a locked chip that plays the gospel. And they gave them out to people in the community. Now, they have a lot of faith because they bought 100,000 of them from China, of these little uh, boxes that they're going to share the gospel in Gurani. And so they take it and they go out and uh, they have asked people, can we have a six-week study in your home? And they say, oh, yes, you can have a six-week study. And when the doctor gives free medicine and you ask if you can have a free week, six-week study, a lot of people, oh, yeah, that'd be the least we could do. And we want to do the least. Uh, never mind. But at any rate... Uh, uh, they've gone out with these Bible studies. Now, the leader can't read or write. So you might think there's a problem. But he listens to the stories, these six particular stories. He listens to them over and over again. And then he writes in a language. You can see it on the bottom left here. He's got his own language there. I call it hieroglyphics. But that means stuff to him. This was the story of the Passover. And he was telling the story of the Passover to these illiterate people. And they listened to it on a, a chip for several days now. Now, he tells them the story. And he looks at his notes. Those are his notes you're looking at. And then he turns it around and he shows it to them. And they read his notes. And then he asks them if they have any questions. And then he leads them in discussion. And many of them are turning to Christ. Mm -hmm. Many are turning to Christ. And we wanted to show this last picture. We were just in China. And this uh, man, Anton, the Indian man, was a little boy in the 70s when we went to South Africa, raised as a Hindu. The Hindu family all turned to Christ. He went to Bible school. He is now an SIM missionary in China, helping to train the underground pastors. And that's his new bride, Sun Jin. And he invited us to come to help do training with the pastors. Two years ago, we were at a conference with SIM in Thailand. And we heard this Indian voice. And we're always kind of attracted like a magnet to Indians. And we saw him. And he saw us in our name tags. You are Jeff and Connie Griffith. I remember you. I was a little boy. You were those great missionaries. That... Nah, he didn't say that. But <laughs> he said, I remember you from when I was a little boy. And now he is a missionary with Sim in China, sharing the gospel with the uh, Han Chinese people. And he said, would you come and teach at my uh, uh, teach the Chinese people in the house church movement. And we said, well, yes, uh, we could do that. It'll take a few months to work it out. So uh, a year or so later, we were able to go, and we just got back from there over there in October. And it was very special to have this um, South African Indian man be our interpreter. Yeah. In, into... There, was a, there were about 30 people that we taught, and they were all part of house church movements. There was one who was a lady who stood in the front row. She was very kind of charismatic in her manner and so forth, a wonderful lady. And Connie asked her a question once. She said, are you ever fearful that because you have a house church in your home? She said, oh, yes, absolutely, my husband and I. But we gave that to the Lord a long time ago. Yeah. We gave suffering to the Lord a long time ago. Right. We're prepared to go to prison if that's what God calls. Are you prepared to go to prison? Mm -hmm. Because you're a Christian? She crossed that bridge and they have a house church in their home. Very difficult situation. Let's take a look at this. Ah, our scripture. Verse 5. Our gospel came to you with words, with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. So the word of God comes to you and then you became imitators of us and the Lord in the midst of suffering. You become imitators. Are you a good imitator of the Lord Jesus? I trust you are. If you don't yet know the Lord, you can't really imitate him, and you need the Holy Spirit to help you. By the way, how many of you have discovered that the Christian life is impossible to lead without the Holy Spirit? Yeah. It's impossible. 
So if you're here today and you're religious, but you don't know Christ as Savior, you're up against the impossible. But if you're here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has filled us with the Holy Spirit that we can live his life. He can live his life through us so that you have become an imitator of us and the Lord, verse 7 and 8. So you became a model to Macedonia and Achaia and everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything. And you know, there are fewer and fewer Western missionaries in the world in these days. That's right. Fewer and fewer missionaries that come from North America and Europe. The missionaries are now coming from South Korea. 53 million people in South Korea. They send out as many or more missionaries in North America. The other missionaries, most of them are coming from South American countries like Brazil. They're coming from China. They're coming from India. They're coming from Africa. There's been a change. Why? Because the missionaries went out years ago and in more recent years as well, shared the gospel with the indigenous people. They have embraced it. And they have said, now we are going out. The underground church has a goal of sending out 100,000 missionaries. That's 10% of the church in China. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the vision that you have given to your people through the Spirit of God. We thank you, Lord, that this church, Alliance Bible Fellowship, is not just lazily drifting through time, trying to reach out to the people just in this community, but they do reach out here. And they also reach out all over the world. We thank you for all the missionaries that they support and all the people that they pray for. We thank you, Lord, for these shoeboxes, which are another demonstration of the love of Christ being sent out from this fellowship. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be honored and glorified through all of this, that your church will be built, that your kingdom will be built on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, be with each one of us today, and wherever the message is spoken to our hearts, may we be responsive and not harden our hearts the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you?